Generation Radio with Kendall Moore, WVON AM 1690. Let's talk about it. Come on. New Generation. Kendall Moore Talk Radio, WVON AM 1690. Streaming live from the web, WVON.com. Let's talk about it. This is 1690 AM WVON. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Kendall Moore Show. We stream live at www.von.com. Hey, listen, let me tell you guys right now uh, to log on to Facebook. Very simple, the Kendall Moore Show. You can also follow me on Instagram at under, under well, Kendall under slash Moore, as well as uh, at the website, MrKendallMoreShow.com. All right, we are streaming live here at WVON. It's a very uh, a momentous occasion here this evening. Uh, there is a lot for us to unravel and have a discussion about uh, with regards to what is going on in the world here today. As many of you know and have been paying attention to in the news or otherwise on social media, the historical march on Washington, D.C. that took place 57 years ago was uh, reenacted, for lack of a better term, but nonetheless, uh, it was reinvented for 2020. And what's interesting about it is that it is still very appropriate today as to why people are marching out in Washington, D.C. So I, I, I want to begin by saying that and paying homage to our ancestors and to those of, uh, who are, are still in the fight and those who have lost their lives uh, for no reason at all due to racism and police brutality. Before I continue, of course, I always like to introduce the team. So Dope Sandy, she's in the building. Hey, everybody. So Dope is looking so dope. West Side Will. What up, what up? West Side Will. We, don't, we ain't arguing tonight. No, no, we ain't arguing about nothing people, tonight. I don't, okay. how, I don't know how many people are like, man, why do you and Will like, we don't argue? But that's robust conversation. That's all it is. That's robust conversation. I agree. There's nothing wrong with that. That's that's what it's about. We shouldn't all agree on everything. I think that's kind of bad if you agree on everything. But, you know, uh, yeah, that's robust conversation. And it's for you (laughs) out there in WVON land. Big shout to my girl, Netta Beretta. Netta. (laughs) Right, exactly. Netta. Netta's not here tonight, folks. Uh, Netta, she's not on assignment, but she's taking care of some business. uh, For those who follow the show, you know that Netta is an entrepreneur, and she's doing some entrepreneur things right now. So, Netta, 
you already know you are part of what we do even when you are not here and we will see you next week yep. Naya Fire's in the building she's doing something else who knows I don't know where the hell Naya be when we're here at VON <laughs> she's in the control room she be all over the place but she's somewhere around making it here. happen making it happen and of course the I Isaiah yes. Isaiah Moore no relations at least we don't know <laughs> He's in the building as well. That makes up the team, including Brother Delvin on the ones and twos. Uh, spin the tracks and uh, keep us on point. <clears throat> Excuse me. Ladies and gentlemen, tonight uh, is a really, uh, it's an important show. Every show is an important show. Uh, we were, uh, Will and I and some of the team, we were having a discussion in the parking lot here today uh, about what took place out in Kenosha, Wisconsin. And for me... Um, as an African-American male and father of uh, multiple sons and daughters, I, I had a moment this, this week with regards to what is happening to black people in America. Tonight's program, we are going to focus on, you know, the March on Washington uh, 2020. We'll get into that. Uh, I have Akil Patterson, who is a consultant uh, for the AIDS Healthcare Foundation. Big shout to AHF. Make sure you visit AHF.org uh, for the tremendous work that they do surrounding advocacy. Uh, I'll be having a conversation with him. He's posted up out in Washington, D.C. He's going to fill us in on uh, many of the things that were happening out there. And then uh, Isaiah is joining us on the microphone tonight. And the reason I asked Isaiah to join us, because he's typically behind the mic and on the camera, is because this the movement and what's happening right now is not going to come from people my age. You know, I'm mid-40s. And, you know, I think sometimes I know it all. I think that because of the work that I put in when I put in the work, you know, you know my what is it? My resume mm-hmm. uh, and curriculum, uh, my CV. Curriculum Vitae. Yeah, my CV. It, it reads like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm impressed by it. All right. But <laughs> I uh, found out today, and I was confronted with it uh, by millennials. To ask, and, it, and the question was, like, what are you doing now, though, Kendall? Mm. Like, what are you doing now? And so from, the, from where I sit and the work that I do, it really is shook, it shook, my soul because what what are we doing as a black as black people other than trying to keep our jobs or even have a job because unemployment is through the roof and whatever little money we get we just trying to sustain ourselves but in the time where we have our young folks many of them are not back in school because they cannot afford to be in school and or because of COVID-19 and many of them are out in the streets. Uh, mm-hmm. We're going to have that discussion, like a, just a very organic discussion, which is, which is why I asked Isaiah to join us here this evening. I'm, I'm looking very forward to his conversation because when me, him, and Will, and the rest of the team, we were out uh, having a conversation, he had some really interesting things to say. And the only reason that we are where we are right now in perfect honesty is because of our young folks. And I'm just going to keep it 100 with you. It's because of our young folks. Yeah. I don't. I really don't see the aldermen. I don't see the clergy. I mean, they may have a press conference, but the people who are out there in the streets are younger than 25. 25 mm-hmm. at best. That's the that's the max. It's yep. the young folks. 
And those who have descended upon Washington, D.C., they're not just African-Americans or black. And many of the folks who are out there protesting are not just African-Americans. And so we want to have that conversation. I'm really, I'm, 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 I'm very interested in listening to some, the, the callers, not, you know, be on a high horse and tell us what the answers are, but really engage with the young folks and better understand how do we move forward from everything that is going on. Mm-hmm. Tonight we're also going to tackle uh, the Republican National Convention. I'm extremely disappointed and I probably shouldn't even use that word, Donald Trump is a joke. And I can say it on this, I can say it, because this is my show. He's a joke. And I asked Will, Will, let's talk about that a little bit later on in tonight's program. Um, I mean, hell, the Republican National Convention wasn't anything less than a Ku Klux Klan rally with people with professional clothes on. And I, I want to talk to you all about that here this evening. And before I forget, as an ex-football player, as an ex-college football player, as a person who scholarship to school, as a person who played semi-pro professional football, I have an issue now with Lou Holtz for him supporting Donald Trump and the things, the words that came out of his mouth during the, Republic, uh, the Republican National Convention. And then Brian Erlacher from the Chicago Bears. Uh, what he stated about what took place in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Mm. And Brian, you're not going to get away with it. I'm not going to let you get away with it. 591 is the number to connect. I'm Kendall. We're back in a moment. Getting you from your work week to your weekend. It's Kendall Moore Radio for the Next Generation.
All right, welcome back, folks. 22 minutes after the hour, it's the Kendall Moore Show. 591-1690 is the number. Excuse me. Today, we commemorate the March on Washington, D.C., 1963, 57 years ago. And, um, you know, this has been a very uh, taxing week for me emotionally, Speaking with some of my friends, both men and women, for them as well, we are in the 20th, 21st century dealing with the exact same things that has been taking place with regards to blacks and people of color being uh, subjected to overt racism, systemic Racism. People being killed. What happened to uh, Brother Jacob out in uh, Kenosha, Wisconsin? Unacceptable. Even as I listen to what we're playing here on our radio station about him, uh, you know, putting somebody in a chokehold and him, you know, getting out of the taser. We're going to get into that conversation a little bit later on this evening. I, I have a lot to say about that. But what I did here uh, earlier this week is black people justifying why it's okay for police officers to, to do what they do to us. And I have a huge problem with that. Right now, let's go out to Washington, D.C. Tremendous colleague of mine, uh, a consultant for the AIDS Healthcare Foundation, Brother Kill Patterson, how are you? I'm doing well, Kendall. Can you hear me all right, brother? <laughs> you are. I can. How's it going, Akil? Um, you know what? Uh, today I'm all right. You know, and as you know, but yesterday I might not have been all right. And the day before, I don't think I was all right. But today I'm all right. You know, so I'm blessed to, to do that. You know, thank you for having me on, too. Not at all. Akil, let me ask you, uh, the, the March on Washington 2020 Frontline, you sit there, you next to the man, next to the man, next to the man. You probably third or second in line. Uh, how did it go? Tell me again. Give me the give me the background, and what was it like being out there in the atmosphere? So number one, I loved it. I loved it. Uh, there were there were people of all races, genders, sexual orientations, just saying black men's lives matter. You know, uh, and they were specific. They said the black men, you know, because the mothers, the mothers of the movement. I was, I was in the room with them. I was with the, the Weidman family uh, from, you know, that young man in Chicago that was shot. Yeah. They, they were talking to me and they said, this isn't about murder. This isn't about police brutality. This is about black men being genocidally killed in this country. For existing, yeah, yeah, and when she said that, I, I, I kept my composure because you know I can get into being emotional uh, out there. But I, I was like, wow, here's this sister who said, and she just said, I'm tired. I am so tired, and uh, I'm tired for her because she's tired of worrying about me. She's tired of worrying about Kendall. She's tired of worrying about black men in this country. And so it's a, it was a powerful movement to have that one-on-one uh, time to meet Breonna Taylor's mother um, and speak with the families. Um, I, but it was a great day 
an inspirational day, and I got to give it to Reverend Sharpton, although we've disagreed uh, on other issues. When he said, get your knee off my neck, get your knees off our neck, I was with him. I feel. So, uh, yeah, it was great. All right, I, I certainly appreciate you sharing that with us. Akil, you're down there right now. Like, tell me, what the what is the current – uh, the current atmosphere, you know, I logged on, I participated. It wasn't just a physical uh, march. It was also a virtual march. So I participated with the virtual march as well. Um, but physically at this moment, so you're probably, you guys are uh, one hour ahead of us because we're in Central Standard Time. Um, what What is it like right now? I mean, is it somber? Have people dispersed? Are they going home? What was the takeaway, and what were the marching orders at the conclusion of the march? Uh, So, uh, you know, we dispersed relatively quickly. Um, It was over 95 degrees, um, you know, and people were out there from 8 a.m. till till probably 4 o'clock. So we dispersed rather, rather quickly. I'm never going to dehydration, but I tell you what, I, I, there were grandmothers in their 80s, like, marching. And so the, the environment was definitely a close-knit one. We were uh, a lot of communications, um, multiple people um, having the same message repeat over and over again. It's time that we, we, we march and we demand and that we fight and we put people in the jobs and that we will not accept the the uh, the lame excuses of any political party anymore. That we must hold them all accountable, and we have to get the current occupant of the White House out. So that's what that was the marching order at the end of it. Is that we're going to work towards economic justice, we're going to do racial uh, justice for black people, and that we are going to not stop marching. And, it, and I think when the Reverend said we're not going to stop marching, he wasn't talking about physically marching, but we're not going to stop the momentum uh, when you leave here and continue on marching, pressing, legislating, and, and around policy. He was very uh, clear about the systemic racism and how we have to address that through policy on the local and the federal level. The young folks that were out there, and I, uh, my, you know, part of my monologue, uh, it included the young people that were out there. We're coming up against the clock. Akil, I hope you can stay with me for just a little bit. Um, but the, the young people that were out there, and, and not just the young people, but the mixture of people who were out there. It wasn't just black people. It was young people, white people, Indian people, Mexican people, Latino people, Latinx yeah. people. It was everybody. Man, tell me a little bit about that. Because I, when I was looking at it, and online, and a t- television, it brought me to tears. So, yeah, no, like I said, it's a very powerful um, movement uh, where, uh, you know, there was a lady who was in the the, the section off with me because we were practicing social distancing. And she said, you know, uh, she sits on a board of directors and she said, well, I recently stepped down to give up my seat to an underprivileged black man who I know. Does the work, mm. and I said, "Wow!" And she said, "I said, why did you step down?" She's like, "It's a paid position," and she's like, "I don't need the extra money." And he actually is better at the work than I am. Mm. So I asked, "Why don't you guys bring him in?" And they said, "Well, you know, we need your name." And she said, "No, you don't." Mm. She said, "You don't need my name. You want my money." She's like, "But my money does. I don't donate any money, so you might as well bring this guy in. Got he it. needs the money." 
and does the work. So I think that's part of what we did. It was a very impressive moment. And uh, I think the gentleman was under the age of 25. So she helped get a young man a board seat on a paid board position that was under the age of 25. And that's unheard of in many circumstances. Got it. Akil Patterson, he's with me. We got a bank, we, we got a few calls on the line. Folks, don't touch the down. Kendall Moore will be right back. Getting you from your work week to your weekend. It's Kendall Moore Radio for the Next Generation. Thirty-seven minutes after the hour, it's the Kendall Moore Show. Five nine one sixteen ninety. That is the number to connect. We are celebrating the fifty-seventh annual commemoration of the March on Washington D.C. We have uh, Brother Keel Patterson, who is live on the scene out in Washington D.C. So before the break, Akil was definitely enlightening us to um, everything that's happening in Washington right now. And even in 2020, as we look at this remixed walk, um, we also have to take note that today is also the 65th anniversary of the murder of Emmett Till. Um, hopefully many mm. of you will remember young man from Chicago, only 14 years old, murdered for allegedly flirting with the white woman which of course we found out just a few years ago that she was lying um but just looking at that 65 years later we are still fighting the same things we are still fighting for the lives of our young black boys black men black girls black women um and that's just disheartening you know we have to remember that history i haven't really heard a lot of people talk about that today but just to know that Yes, this happened in 1955, but in 2020, we are still having these same conversations. Mm -hmm. How do we protect our black boys? How do we protect black men? How do we protect black girls? How do we protect black women for the things that they allegedly do? Not even the things that they do do. (laughs) Allegedly. Like, we're still fighting that. That's crazy. 
591-1690, the number to connect. Uh, Kill, we certainly appreciate you being here. Listen, let's go to the phone lines. Hey, Mark, we'll start with you. Welcome to the Kendall Moore Show. Hey, man, thank you for Thanks, Kendall. I, I, I called just when you were coming on, and I waited, because I had something that I wanted to bring to light, and I wanted to get your, your, your knowledge on it as well. Two quick things. First of all, it may be a good thing that Donald Trump got elected as president, because he brought out all we got to see yes, everybody. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Luke, he the did you saw what Lou Holtz said, right, Mark? Yeah, you saw Lou. Yeah. Did you see Brian Erlacher? You know, like yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Question to you is this: You were a former football player in college. What do you take on what Brian Erlacher said in his tweet today? Free uh, the boy who did it. Free him. You know, he said all of this and all that, and he said at the end, free. Whatever, whatever, whatever the boy's name is. Yeah. This boy, you know, the police drove right past him. Yeah, he did. This guy, the boy with his hands took, up. But mind you, with his hands up. And his mother took him And his mama took him down there. So sh- shouldn't she be getting charged with something? She, but let it be. Yep. But meantime, meantime, I'm going to cut you off. Yep. Meantime, we got a black guy who got shot seven times in the back. It looks like they was aiming for a spine when they shooting him in the back. He's handcuffed to a damn bed yep. in a hospital. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, hey. and then you say, 65 years ago today, Emmett Hill. Yeah. What has changed? Ain't nothing changed. Nothing changed. Go ahead, man. I'm going to listen to y'all. Hey, Mark, thank you so very much. I, thank Mark, you, you. Thank you. Hey, Mark, thank you. Because you said what I was about to say. Brother Kill. Uh, what out in D.C., when people say the things that Brother Mark just talked about, uh, what was what was the response when people, like, people are just fed up, Akil. Right. What, what's the conversation going on down there? Absolutely. One of the conversations that we were overhearing today while we were uh, out with the community members is that uh, people kept, they, they, they were, they kept pointing towards, well, why does the white boy get a pass? No offense and to anyone. No, 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 no. Please. That, that's what they were saying. You don't they have to saying, apologize. Go ahead. <laughs> they were saying, why does the white boy get a pass? He walked by the cops. He shot somebody. He shot three people, you know, and uh, the three people that he shot, um, they although they shouldn't have been there, it's you can't transfer the intent to support somebody in that manner, because guess what? The people that he shot weren't supposed to be there either, and he wasn't supposed to be there. And he went there to defend property, cross state lines with an illegal firearm, and uh, let's just be real. Uh, At the end of the day, we know that um, his family are white nationalists. And And he's a militia. And these other NFL guys, they're all supporting white nationalism. And they say, well, I'm white and I'm a nationalist. Does that make me a white nationalist? Well, at this point, if you support this young man, it does. And let me say this. Hold on, Will. And you know what's interesting? Mm -hmm. uh, Folks may not know this, but I'll share this. Mm -hmm. Akil Patterson is a former uh, University of Maryland football player, and he was in the Bears training camp. I don't know if people know that. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go ahead, Will. No, but the, the militia they call themselves is the Patriots, the Patriot militia. Mm. And I remember uh, I was looking at all the uh, the email responses or the blog responses. As they were saying that the Patriots are going to be there and we're going to come there and protect. They drove 22 miles from Illinois, from and uh, from to to Wisconsin. To Wisconsin, yeah. You know. 
I'm like, I'm I forget the little to town. It's only 20 miles yeah. away. I, I forget. But I don't have it It's on the border. It's like the border town of of Illinois. Yeah, absolutely. To Wisconsin. They drove. His mother drove him. His name is Kyle Rittenhouse. Drove him 22 miles. And you know she knew Sunday that he had, had a, nothing to do with it. And he had the, you, uh, an AR. You can't hide that gun. Right. Like, you ain't <laughs> hiding <laughs> that in the car. But, but, like. but here's the thing. They say that his friend gave him the weapon once he got to mm. Wisconsin. But here's the thing. You have to be 18 years old. You, he's 17 years 17. old. And, right. and, and here in Illinois, you have to be 21 unless you have a sponsor. Why the hell did his mom even drive him over there? And, and people are asking for Kwame Raul to do something about that. And he has did something about that. But here's the thing, though. From what you just stated, Will, I, don't, I, I, I say this from a good space. Racists and white people can put a story together real quick. So now all of a sudden... His mama wasn't a part of it, or she didn't know that he had the gun. Mm-hmm. He picked the gun up when he got, when he got there. It. Right. How convenient of a story is that for a defense attorney? Mm-hmm. Right. Do you like like? But, but who we, we're registered to? But like we, we we're always again. I go back to the excuses, and we're always given passes. And I'm going to yep. get to a conclusion before this evening is over. I have to bring in Isaiah Moore. Uh, no relation, as far as I know. Uh, but he is an intern for the AIDS Healthcare Foundation. He's finishing up his intern. Uh, we certainly appreciate the work that he has done. Big shout to Anita Castile. Big shout to Tracy Jones. Uh, Michael Weinstein, who is our fearless leader, uh, for providing opportunities to our interns. Isaiah, the reason I asked you to join tonight's conversation is because you are one of the young folks. You are definitely way under 25. Uh, and you are always out in the streets uh, protesting. I see you all over the place. Mm-hmm. And if it wasn't for people like yourself and of your age, many of us, well, let me speak for myself. I cannot put everybody in my bag. Uh, we're not on the streets anymore. So welcome. Right. Thanks for having me. Thanks for, thanks for participating. Uh, I know you're not out in D.C., uh, but what's your take on this march on Washington? Um, this march on Washington is kind of a really symbolic of the way in which the world has been heading towards for years now. I mean, not only from the march on Washington from um, the 60s, but um, the Black Lives Matter movement has been has started like around seven, eight years ago. And like seeing the way in which that kind of been a catalyst for social change throughout the years and like a modern day civil rights movement a lot of people kind of refer to it as where it's like every year we've seen protests and riots and all kinds of stuff at the um unjust killings of black men in the streets unarmed might i add um most of the times unarmed and kind of like moving on towards that um now kind of like the pandemic that's going on it being an election year with donald trump um, kind of the divided nation that we have now was kind of a perfect storm for the March on Washington um, this year as it was in um, the 60s because right after that the Civil Rights Legislation passed, Voting Rights Act passed, Housing Acts passed, and all that kind of stuff passed in the 60s. And I think that's what we're looking towards um, right now, kind of like with young people moving and leading the movement. Um, I know Al Sharpton was like the headliner of this um, March on Washington, and he was the one that was promoting it. He's the voice that you heard a lot of the times. But it was really the... Um, Young folks around my age, I'm only 21 years old, um, kind of like being the energies and a catalyst for this movement and kind of like being the body of it and um, kind of like letting people know that we won't stand for what's been going on for so long. We won't be complicit with it anymore. 
we want to take the torch that was um, our grandparents and of that nature and kind of like move forward and change the way in which America works and is shaped. I appreciate that. Glad that you are sitting here. Let's go back to the phone lines. Ron, how are you? Thank you for your participation. Welcome to the show. All right. I, I, along the point that y'all was making, uh, I've only seen it reported once and seemed like people don't want to pick up on it. Um, the sheriff and them, uh, they knew they knew those uh, 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 militias, those white militia, militia people. Yeah, that's what we're gonna right. call. Them. Call them what they contact are. Contact with the sheriff, say that they were coming to help. They them. sent them a letter, Ron. They sent the yeah, letter. I, I saw the letter saying, "Listen, I, I, I yep. and 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 I'm, and I'm I'm not going verbatim, but Ron, what they said was, listen, we know that y'all are outnumbered. We are willing to come yeah. in and help y'all." Kill these. Che- yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, Ron. But, but check this out. Uh, as I've been watching uh, this whole thing unravel all summer long, I'm, you know, and I'm watching it from city to city, and I'm watching these bouncing beddies go off. I don't know if you know what a bouncing bed no, is. No, please, uh, uh, please elaborate. It's, it's sort of like uh, uh, it's, 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 it's the military. It's like a flare. You see that's going off, and they calling it fireworks. Mm. Oh, okay. And I'm yeah. saying, now, I don't know black people that have bouncing daddies and have these fireworks. But this is my point. Um, <laughs> the movement has been infiltrated, and everybody knows that. But let, let me make this point. Um on the way after after the shooting and the police got had to come out and do their thing, they had to bring in the state police. Now this is what was reported. Uh the state police pulled over and arrested a car full of white guys. In the car they discovered guns, ammunition, and fireworks. Hence that's where you, when you see these fireworks going off, these bouncing beddies, mm-hmm. uh, you've been black all your life. You don't even know what a bouncing beddy is, let alone not where the fireworks. <laughs> I, 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 hell, I didn't know. I'm like, well, right. please elaborate. I didn't know what a bouncing beddy was. But go back and look at the news. Okay. You see these sparks and you see these firecrackers. They're not firecrackers. Mm. They're bouncing beddies. Right. what they know as. And... And see, you didn't even know. You didn't saw the explosion. You said, well, I don't know what that is. You didn't even question it. But you saw it, and you don't even know what you're looking at. I got you, Ron. I got to let you go. I got too many people on the line. No, 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 Ron. I got to let you go, Ron. I'm sorry. That'll make it really, really important. (laughs) You're talking about the guns and everything. In rural areas, my folks grew up in them. At 14 years, and, and, uh, at uh, seven or eight years old, you get your first twenty-two. Ron, listen to me. Ron, Ron, listen to me. Ron, stay right there. I'm coming back. I'm not going to drop you. Delvin, can you do me a favor? Put him on hold. Ron, I got to take a break. Don't move. I want to hear what you got to say. I'm Kendall. Getting you from your work week to your weekend. It's Kendall Moore Radio for the Next Generation. Oh, and just- 
Ladies and gentlemen, visitation services for Dr. Stephanie Borges, the wife of longtime WVON host Ernesto Borges. Tremendous, tremendous person in our lives here at WVON. His wife, Stephanie, uh, she passed, and her funeral will take place Monday, August 31st at Cage Memorial Services, which is located at 7651 South Jeffrey between the hours of 4 p.m. and 7 p.m. Dr. Borges, she died last Sunday following a lengthy illness. Our prayers and our condolences are with attorney Ernesto Borges and his family. Let me say God bless uh, Stephanie Borges. I used to work with her many years ago. Well, you always got a lot of jobs. I used to to work with her at uh, Humana when she was a doctor there. So very nice. Tremendous. uh, Tremendous family. Uh, uh, Dr. Borges, uh, Ernesto, uh, tremendous, tremendous family. Yes, sir. Uh, let's get back to the phone lines. Five nine one sixteen ninety is the number. Akil, we certainly appreciate. Oh, did we lose Akil? Okay, um, no worries, no worries, no worries. Uh, we were really talking about the commemoration of the uh, march on Washington. Um, so let's uh, let's go to the phone lines. Let's take another call. Oh, matter of fact, let's not do that. Let me go back to Ron because mm-hmm. Ron said he. Ron, come on with it. Ron, go ahead. All right, let, let, let me give you a little bit of information about guns. See, guns been illegal in Chicago for black people, for everybody, especially handguns, forever. Y'all just got the ability to have handguns. For the rest of the country, Indiana, Michigan, and Wisconsin, I stayed in all of these. When we were six years old and seven years old, especially the white boys, even the black kids, we lived they, my, with my cousins and them. They lived in the country. For Christmas at six and seven, eight years old, you got your first twenty-two rifle. By the time you was, because see, they hunted. By the time you was 10 uh, for Christmas, you got your 410 shotgun. By the time you was 15, 16, you were old enough to hold a 16 or a 12 gauge, and that's what you got. Let me tell you, at, 15, at 16 years old, I bought my first AR-15. Okay. My brother was 15 years old, and he bought his first 12-gauge uh, Savage pump, which he still got. Understood. Ron, you said you had something very important to share with us. So I understand you got a lot of pistols. I ain't mad at you. We're supposed to have them. Give me your point, because we got to get to the rest of the callers. Oh, the, the point is, these people are raised with guns. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. They came to town. That boy had his own. That was that boy's gun. Yeah, it was. Nobody gave him anything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He probably got a house full of them. Because all of those militias and no what. Let me see. You talking about you want to. I work with. I got a couple of white friends right now. 
Uh, they got a house full of guns. I know. <laughs> Ron, I know. Ron, Ron, I got to let you go. Don't go drinking with him, Ron. Hey, hey, Ron, you know what, Ron? I got to let you go. But listen, I I definitely agree with you. It, as a matter of fact, right. I was having a conversation earlier <laughs> this week with a, couple of, uh, with a couple of my colleagues with regards to uh, the right to bear arms. Mm-hmm. When So for African-American young men, Mm-hmm. They put felonies on them by the time it used to be by the time they were in, a freshman in high school, but now they're putting felonies on them by the time they are in eighth grade. Mm-hmm. With a felony, it does two things for black men. The first thing it does in certain states, it eliminates your right to vote. That's mm-hmm. number one. Right. The second thing it does is it eliminates your right to bear arms and have a, a gun. Mm-hmm. That means that you cannot protect your household and or your family or yourself. So, uh, again, if I need to repeat that, I will. But just think about that for one second. Mm -hmm. I am a proponent of us being able to provide protection for our families and our queens. Mm -hmm. I don't say it in a vindictive, nasty way. I say it in a protective way. Mm-hmm. If they can do it, why are we not allowed to do it? But here is when you flip the script. Right. They put felonies on us, yep. which is why the Fraternal of Police are uh, attacking Kim Fox because she's not locking brothers up mm-hmm. at the astronomical rates that Anita Alvarez was. Right. And we're going to unwrap this onion as we continue because we are about to go to break. Mm-hmm. But I will say this before we do do that. Last night, Donald Trump's, uh, his speech, to have the national director of the Fraternal Order of Police. So each state has a director of Fraternal Order of Police. He had the national director, meaning everybody in every state. (laughs) Michigan, Illinois, California. the name of the gentleman gentleman whose name we gave out. That guy was on there. Man, listen. And if y'all don't, if we don't understand as a people. Right. And this brother just got shot in Kenosha, Wisconsin, seven times, and they still ain't locked these boys up. They done put them on yep. administrative leave. Yep. Got got shackles on them inside this damn uh, hospital bed. Yep. If we don't understand what is going on with us as black people right now, yep. and we still fighting amongst each other and mad at Reverend Al Sharpton, yep. uh, and, and 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 you know spewing hate on him because he's re you know uh, revisiting what is going on. And we're still fighting the same fight that we were fighting 30, 40, 50, 400 years ago. Mm-hmm. Shame on us. It's Kendall. Can't wait to talk on the other side. You're listening to Kendall Moore Radio for the Next Generation on the Talk of Chicago, 1690 AM, WVON. Wake up, wake up. You've got the power. My people in the east, yo, you gotta wake up. Midwest, dirty south, yo, you gotta stand up. All my homies in the west, so you gotta wake up.
deserve a good life. Well, if you do, it's time to wake up your mind. We can make it better, and I know we might take some time, but we gotta start somewhere. How about with you and me? From us, it goes to others, then we'll have our unity. All right, welcome back, folks. Eight minutes after the hour. It's the Kendall Moore Show, 591-1690. That is the number to connect. Of course, we are streaming live at WBON.com. We are celebrating 57-year anniversary of the march on Washington, D.C. Big shout to my man, Akil Patterson, former uh, NFL player with Chicago Bears. Later on in tonight's program, I'm cussing out Brian Erlacher for, uh, you know, Brian is now showing his, uh, he's showing his true colors. Uh-huh. And he has the nerve because, do you remember what he did to his black, uh, the black, his black baby mama? Right, right. Yep. So, uh, Brian Erlacher, if you're listening, and anybody else who's out there, please tell Brian Erlacher to turn in, tune in to the show because I'm, right. I'm, I'm about to show him mm-hmm. why I have a problem with him. Go ahead, Will. I, I was my about my to say question something. to Brian Erlach is, will you have done this with the bros on the Bears? That's what I'm saying. Man, would you have said this with the bros on the Bears? He, he had already got With Hester that. and them? Had a, you know, with Hester and them and, and Lovey and all of them was on the team, would you have talked this mess? You know what? What we're going to do is doing the, uh, the lit roundtable. We're going to mm-hmm. open it up and really uh, mm-hmm. go in on mm-hmm. the people that we want to have a conversation with. Because Herschel, Herschel Walker don't get a pass. Mm-hmm. Him or his damn son. Mm-hmm. Both of them looking all crazy to me with uh, <laughs> all them damn hair products. Looking like, uh, yeah. what's that Jackson Luster. name? What's the, what's the Jackson with all of the... the, the, the uh, Jermaine. Uh, Jermaine. Looking like Jermaine Jackson. But, yeah. you know, I ain't, I ain't trying to... <laughs> I, I am not trying to front. So, anyway, all right. all right, we turn the page, right? We get out of the march on Washington. Big shout out to Reverend Al Sharpton for what he did and put together. And, again, ladies and gentlemen, we are still living in an era where we are fighting the same. It's like, uh, uh, is it 2 chains or is it future with the same damn song? I mean, the same damn, damn time. time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's the same damn time. Yep. We're, we're, we're going through the same damn thing, except the only thing is mm-hmm. what Maya Angelou, and she talked about the strange fruit. Mm, Remember right. that song? Right. The strange fruit That's hanging from the tree. That was Billy Holiday. Holiday. Yeah. Holiday. She sang about it. Yeah. Okay, that was so Billy Holiday. Strange, Thank strange you very fruit. much. Yep. Strange fruit. Now they're shooting us, and they continuously mm-hmm. are shooting black people. You're right. My problem with that is... The black people who are justifying why black people are being shot, they should have complied. Mm-hmm. Well, if they did what was right. Mm-hmm. Seven times I, I, was I, I, not I, I, right. Just problem. Just problem with it. Sixteen just, shots was not right. Uh, just you know problem. what I'm saying? Unloading on somebody. You know, if I shoot you once, okay. Right. If I shoot you six uh seven times more times, if I shoot you fifteen more times. Is something wrong with that. Well, do you realize that there were people who were trying to justify both black and white mm-hmm. why uh, Floyd, right. why the police officer, why it, okay. why it was okay for him to be on his neck for that right. long. Then they argued how, how long he was on his neck. So it went from eight right. minutes, and then, you know, the media, especially a, a, a specific uh, uh, outlet, right. Went from the eight minutes to the seven minutes, and we're arguing about the amount of time. This is where we get lost in the translation. Right. We're always talking about why. We, we, we talk about the background. Mm-hmm. You don't even know who I am. You don't know what my, my jacket is mm-hmm. before you pull that trigger mm-hmm. or before you choke me out. Right. You have no idea. When the police officer pulls you over, he pulls up, and, and typically your record will 
show up so that they know how to better prepare themselves. Mm -hmm. But the rest of the world does not know. Mm -hmm. So, but what the rest of the world does do when a black person is killed in the way that we have been being hunted down, Mm -hmm. they justify it with our backgrounds. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go back to what I stated during the last period. Mm -hmm. It used to be, by freshman year, you would have a felony. That's what it used to be. I don't care what it was. You could be uh, taking candy out the store, and they would give you a felony. Felonies would mean you cannot vote in certain states, and you cannot possess a firearm. Mm -hmm. Now they have moved it down. So now our young uh, brothers and sisters, you know, they're catching cases Mm-hmm. In sixth grade, in seventh yeah. grade, and then we're yeah. we're muddling we're, we're muddling it with we're not connecting to them, or yep. we don't know how to connect to them. Just like the protesters who down you know going downtown tearing shit up. Yeah, yeah. All right, five nine one sixteen ninety is the number. Yeah, a lot to talk about. Uh, let's go back to the phone lines. Want to make sure Isaiah gets in on this. So dope, you are here. And and big shout to my man, uh, Booney Black. You know, I, I go out to uh, Kickback's Barbershop out in, uh, I ain't going to tell you where I go because I don't want y'all coming out there asking. <laughs> it's Kendall there. Hey, hey, hey. big shout to my Kendall? man, uh, Booney Black. Uh, Booney Black, uh, Big Dave. Uh, big shout to them. You know, we always, I, we, I really need to do a show out at Kickback's uh, Barbershop. Mm. Let, me get, let me get back to the phone lines. John, how are you? Welcome to the Kendall Moore Show. Yes, thank you for taking my call. I appreciate it. And I just wanted to add to a little bit of a historical perspective. Number one, people, your listeners have to understand one thing, that the first police department in the United States were slave catchers. And so once they're deputized or appointed as law enforcement officials, this uh, ties in with this uh, written hour up in Kenosha. any other Caucasian men walking around with guns, they look at that as an adjunct, as helping them. So that's number one. People have to realize that when they see Caucasian men walking around with long arms, they support that and they mm-hmm. love that. Number two, this past Wednesday, just a couple of days ago, a 19-year-old Caucasian girl from here in Illinois was sentenced to only 27 years in prison for the murder of a cab driver, of an Uber cab driver, and they said that she had first stopped into a hardware store and stolen a knife for the purposes, I believe, of killing someone. So she stabbed this person, committed first-degree murder, and she was only given 27 years now at the age of 19, which means she'll be 28 when she gets out, if she, you know, uh, 27, 28, when she gets out, if mm-hmm. she, uh, you know, is doing good behavior, okay? Right. And so, therefore, there is a lack of, you know, proper sentencing there, the disparity between sentencing for people of color versus Caucasian people. Mm-hmm. And then now with the um, uh, idiot that uh, shot the protesters out in Kenosha, first of all, as you guys have pointed out, he is not legally able to own a long arm in the state of Illinois mm-hmm. at the age of 17. Or Wisconsin. Number, 
or Wisconsin. Illinois or Wisconsin. Yeah. Either state is right. allowed to do it. Yeah, go ahead. Exactly. And then he committed a federal offense by crossing a state border. He crossed into another state with a long arm illegally owned. Mm-hmm. And therefore, walking down the middle of the street, you know, with a weapon, and they're trying to say that he was uh, defending himself. When you have a long arm and the other people around you do not have weapons, okay, and it was pointed out that they were just trying to disarm him, you know, they should, Kwame Rebels should join in the prosecution of him. And one last thing I want to say to you, Mr. Moore, this is a, um, how should I say, a critique of a statement you made, but not in a controversial way, uh, in a confrontational way. So you pointed out at the beginning of your show that at the age of 40, you know, you were essentially not in the fight. Sir, you are one of the people who are at the forefront of the fight, and I want to thank you because, first of all, you have a talk show on AM radio, which means you are heard by possibly millions of people. You are providing a forum for people to speak out and speak the truth. And even though you are not on the physical pavement, sir, you are definitely one of the people who are letting the voices get out, voices which are not heard on regular uh, television shows. You know, you are the equivalent of Amy Goodman at Democracy Now!, who also puts out the truth. And you, we do have our young people, uh, what is that, William Campbell and Jamal, I think his last name is Green. Yeah, Jamal Green. Because, yes, sir, we have to have a multiple-pronged approach to solving our thank problems. You. Thank you very sir. much for that, John. I really appreciate you sharing those kind words with me. I, I and I you. thank you, sir. I do. Thank, thank you. you. John, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, and, 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 you know, I, I make the statement, and I say that, mm-hmm. and I, I say it humbly because... I've been I've been here at VON and doing this work for a lot of years. And the work that I do outside of WVON is I, 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 I basically I provide services to the community. And not just here in the Chicagoland area, but around the country. Uh, and that is with the help of the AIDS Healthcare Foundation um, and, you know, with the folks who are doing tremendous work as it relates to advocacy. But, you know, more so, I do, I feel a certain type of way. Mm-hmm. And if we had this conversation, and I really want to open up the phone lines right now, so though, just so that you get where I'm going, because I know you're like, Kendall, get to your point. Here's the point. This is what we were talking about in the parking lot. Are we doing enough? Do we have to show our resume to show what we are doing? But are we doing enough? Like the people who are above me, like my mentors, people like Salim Wakil, mm-hmm. um, who I like, you know, yeah. he, he cannot do any wrong to me. Yeah. I mean, do any wrong. Salim Wakil, Cliff, the, the, the Cliff Kellys, mm-hmm. you know, those type of brothers who were in the fight. I've been in the fight. But when I got young cats now running up saying, man, uh, Triple OG Ken, man, yeah, you know, you talk that good, but right. you talk that good, good, but what what, what, what else you doing? Like, bro, I, do I have to tell you what I'm doing? Like, I'm in this for us. But, like, right. is that – so – Well, I think com- as long as you're doing right. something, and, the, and to that point – For everybody, know, though, Sandy. Right, and that's – so it's an individual thing. So we may not see your, quote-unquote, receipts. Right. But – 
you're out there doing something and right. it look we need people at all levels so when you say on the front lines right. what does that look like that could be anything you're on the front lines right now you mm-hmm. have a platform yep. to the caller's last point my friend Emerald um, amazing sister she saw a need in the community when the schools were shut down children couldn't get their lunches she started the sandwich ministry literally making sandwiches in her kitchen that has since grown these past months and she was just on the news because she is providing a service that's being on the front lines mm-hmm. so we need people at all yeah. levels so your work may not look like marching your work may look like strategizing behind yep. the scenes your work may look like tutoring your work may look like providing food boxes every week it's it, yeah. we need people at all levels Everybody so yes we need people exactly. on the pavement marching we need people who are mouthpieces who can articulate we need people at all levels mm-hmm. and that's doing the work feel that and that's, doing that's, the work. that's doing the work that you're supposed to do in a yeah. revolution that we want to do to like overthrow yeah. certain systems and to reform certain things i mean even with like the example of like uh, protests over the summer like I've been a part of. Um, some days I wasn't able to necessarily go out and protest and be on the front lines. So I was at home listening to well, radio scanners from police scanners, donating some money, uh, retweeting certain things, locations, safe houses, all that kind of stuff, uh, strategizing for the next protest that we're going to have, how we're going to get uh, supplies to people, how we're going to get rides for people back mm-hmm. home, how we're going to bail people out if they were to get arrested. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's doing the work in different kinds of ways. It's not just being out protesting and on the news. Right. It's a whole way in which a movement works and which systems work yep. and that kind of reflects itself in different protests and revolutions that happens around the world. And I'm going to add a plot twist to that. So even, and Kendall teases me about this all the time about the gardening and people, you know, like ha- how does that push change? But let me tell you something. When you have a disenfranchised people and I'm going to talk specifically about black people who are healthy and in their right minds, me eating a salad is a revolutionary act. Mm, Me getting up at 5.30 every day and walking is a revolutionary act because Mm -hmm. people are fearful of a healthy black woman, of a healthy black man, because when you are in your right mind, when you are physically able, mentally able, emotionally able to do the work that we're talking about, that frightens people. Mm. So what do they do? They keep us in a position where we aren't able to do the work. We live in food deserts. We're numbed out from working jobs that we don't love. We're, We're not in a position to physically work to our capacity. So when you are a person who is focused on that and you're intentional about taking care of yourself and your body and your family and your community, that's revolutionary. I'm revolutionary all day. You're right. revolutionary all day. Right. Like people are fearful of that. And that that's doing the work. That's part of the revolution. We we got to be in our right minds to do this work because, as we see, it is not getting any easier. And that's how they want to keep you distracted, too. Yes. Like we were talking about earlier um, in the back room, kind of like how when you work a nine-to-five kind of job mm-hmm. and you're constantly burned out by the work that you have to do, the labor that you have to produce for this kind of capitalist system – always constantly working and working and working. As soon as you get home, all you want to do is relax. All you want to do is drink. All you want to do is smoke. All you want to do is watch mm-hmm. sports. All you want to do is hang out with your friends, see your family, do all that kind of stuff. So you have no time to strategize and kind of kind of build a movement to overthrow the systems that oppress you and kind of change the world around you mm-hmm. because you're just in this kind of Trying system, a cog in this system, and you're burned out every single day, and there's yeah. no rights for you. So even if you decide to, like, step away from work, it's hard to because there's no social services to help you kind of get back on your feet mm-hmm. or to um, provide relief for you. I mean, right now, 
there shouldn't really even be a debate about them stopping unemployment checks in the middle of a pandemic. A lot of people are out of work. Over 30 million Americans are out of work the most since the Great Depression, and that's over almost 100 years ago. Mm-hmm. So it's like, how can the government not think like we should be supporting the people the absolute most, whether Republican, Democrat, moderate, libertarian, socialist, whatever it is. How can you not think we need to help the people right now right. and to kind of help the economy stay where it is so it doesn't, like, go down? But mm-hmm. they kind of just want to keep reopening things right. and kind of, like, pushing things to open where people can't afford to do it and things are going to slow down. So it's like, how do you think the economy is going to get better if uh, corporations and businesses are going to close down right now and they will not reopen when this pandemic is over? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's the kind of thing they want to do is kind of distract you and kind of prevent any kind of glass mo- class mobilization kind of, they don't want people between race lines to kind of understand that they're unified in their labor labor struggles and like what they make their economic stability there is none amongst uh racial disparities so they kind of want to keep you kind of thinking like all right well white people are better than black people so they're going to try and police us mm-hmm. even though we make the same exact amount of money we own the same exact amount of property which is basically none so they kind of want to keep you in that kind of bubble so you kind of idolize the Jeff Bezos of the world and the Elon Musk of the world. And you're like, okay, well, I can aspire to be that one day when in reality the system that they created doesn't even allow for that to happen because they kind of push this kind of corporate socialism that gives you tax breaks and things like that that helps you build these um, businesses. I mean, that's what Donald Trump did. He kind of benefited off of uh, New York City in the 80s. Because they were going through, you know, their crack academic yep. and stuff like that. All those businesses yep. were closing. All those businesses were closing. Everything was kind of bottom line. And he was like, well, I can restore this kind of America to make America great again or whatever. But I need to not pay taxes on it. I need, mm-hmm. to, not, I need to not be able to pay certain prices on it. And then he built his empire just like that. And that's what a millions of Americans do every year. Isaiah, I got to jump in. Sandy, Isaiah, if we went to break, I was going to hug both of y'all. I just can't. I'm trying to tell you. I'm trying to This Friday night show, I promise y'all, this Friday night show. Listen, Isaiah, I got to ask you this. Why are there more non-African Americans on the front lines right now, especially among you young folks? Um non-African American I would say particularly are white people it's a lot of white <laughs> <laughs> like call a thing a thing yeah yeah, yeah call a thing a thing it's a lot of uh, white guilt is mm. kind of what it is um, mm. because you know they know their history and but they know the history so they try to suppress it at the same time but that's not indicative of all white folks out there a lot of white folks are allies to black communities and people of color and the LGBTQ community so like that way that they um, they want to show their allyship by coming out to protest because that's kind of thing that you see. Because it's hard to be like, well, I'm donating, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. And then because people are going to try and hold white people a little bit more accountable because of the systems that their ancestors and that they continuously kind of participate in and have created. So kind of you kind of – they want to come out there and be able to fight for us and like be on the front lines with us because that's the tangible way in which they can get that kind of attention. But at the same time, we need to – hold them accountable and ask them to do the work on the inside as well because they have that power they can change a lot of different things with just not showing up to meetings or withholding their money and all that kind of stuff so as they're on the front lines as well um the people that kind of are in the same social economic status as black folks we need to tell them to ask their grandparents and their parents to be like hey you need to invest in black communities you need to kind of dismantle the way in which white supremacy is ingrained in our society in a way which it trickles down in different kinds of things i mean 
mm-hmm. one of my colleagues, I think his name was Ron, he mentioned like the disparity and kind of sentencing amongst the certain crimes. And white people sentence are sentenced much lower for the same exact crimes yep. as black people, and they kind of commit crime or participate in drugs or whatever it is at the same kind of rate. Like, there's no kind of disparity in terms of which crime is committed in America. It's the same levels across racial lines and socioeconomic statuses. So kind of like having people do the work and kind of like dismantling that kind of stuff is really important. So you see them out there in the front lines going to be like, hey, I'm here, and I just want to be seen, but we need them to do a little bit more because – their fingerprints are all over the system that oppresses us every day. Mm, I love it. This is the Kendall Moore Show. Friday nights will never be the same. I certainly appreciate that. Isaiah is typically behind the cameras, uh, and, 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 and that's what they do. Nonetheless, I certainly appreciate your contribution here this evening. All right, so So Dope Sandy, uh, Westside Will, of course, the entire team, we are here. We got some calls that we are going to get to on the other side of 730. What's that? I want to put this out there. And Sandy, I want you to think about this as well. We mm-hmm. need to get into, uh, one, we're going to continue this conversation with regards to what's going on in Kenosha, Wisconsin. But then also, uh, the Republican National Convention and President Trump mm-hmm. and what his messaging has been to his base. So yeah. when we return, we'll take the calls. And we're really going to dissect that because he really has set the tone and basically uh, put his foot in the mud and said, yeah. this is what my campaign is going to be about. It's going yeah. to be very divisive, uh, divisive, and I don't care how you feel about me. And when we return, I want to ask you about the the fraternal order of police. I, you know, I got to, I have to, <laughs> no, I do. I got to, we have my to, friends. Un- we have to unwrap that. All right. All right. It's Kendall Moore Show. Getting you from your work week to your weekend. It's Kendall Moore Radio for the Next Generation. Set up a camera, let the video run And my real life, complete with real ice 
PVS boulders all invisibly set, head and shoulders, my invisible neck, you see Hova wasn't digital yet before Steve Jobs made the iPod, was getting head jobs, we call that intimate, back when rappers wouldn't dare play lyrical roulette, with an automatic weapon, I was rapping with a tech. Fresh like Manny B, chain like Annie Freeze, shoebox full of cash, dealer man, hand me keys, pantries full of arm and hammer, don't take Nancy, Drew to see what it do, I'm a damn cheat, just sent a million dollars to a hands free, that's big money talk, can you answer me? Before the answer was a three, I was down in Georgetown with a Hoya chick, lawyer chick, choice sure rich now, cause he sorted this shit, all this shit. That's why they call him Ho, cause he came before all this shit. Bought a six, quarter seven, skipped on him, quarter eight, bought a nine for non-stop clockwork all the time. Guess who's back? Since this is a new era, got a fresh new hat. Ten-year veteran, I've been said I've been through with the issue of the game, but I never can. I used to think rapping at 38 was ill, Well, last year alone right, I broke 38 mil. 38 I know million. I ain't quite 38. <laughs> I mean, 38 minutes. <laughs> 38 mils, <laughs> good. My, my bad. <laughs> Hey, I'm just feeling the music on a Friday right, night. Right, it's the right. Kendall Moore show. I'm like 38 million, like, yeah. You know, speaking into existence. <laughs> 38, 38 million. million. All right. So listen, folks, uh, WVON, uh, we are always looking for ways to serve you better. The Talk of Chicago, we're conducting an online audience survey, and we need your help. All you have to do is log on to WVON.com and click the audience survey banner. It only takes a couple of minutes to answer the questions. So if you want to hear other programming, and we want to know what you want to hear. So from programs that you hear to sponsorship, opportunities, community investment, we want to hear from you. Log on to WVON.com. Take the survey now through September 4th. And you must be at least 18 years old to participate. Thank you guys for participating and being a part of WVON and helping us maintain our radio station. We are 1690 AM with WVON. All right, Kendall Moore Show, it continues. The conversation continues as well. We're talking about everything up under the sun, a march on Washington, the historical, oh, my God, what's going on with the police officers out here? The Trump, we're going to get to him and the RNC. We're already talking about that without without even talking about him. Um <laughs> And uh, the NBA, we'll we'll get to that as well as Brian Urlacher, yeah, doing a lit roundtable. Mm. I, I promise you. <laughs> mm. And I got a, a couple of fraternity brothers who know uh, Urlacher personally. Mm-hmm. I got uh, colleagues that I work with who know Urlacher, and I'm really surprised by. But it goes to show. And one of the callers said this earlier: mm-hmm. Trump has given those folks who were silent about who they are when it comes to other races, mm-hmm. he's given them the right to be, to really mm-hmm. be who they are. He's given them courage. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Some courage. Yeah, that part. That part. Yeah, he, he, he's given Because Erlacher would not have said that around the bros. Because it used to yeah, be. When he was on the team. He and now you that. have Twitter fingers, so you can say almost yeah, anything, yeah, yeah. you know, behind your keyboard. But would you, he have said that in a, in a press conference? And I'm not surprised he said it. I'm just not. I'm not. I'm not. The white racists, they, the, the white people who were racist, they just used to be, uh, they used to have, like, subtle and polite. Low. It was yeah. subtle and polite prejudice. Right. Right. But they also were the policemen and the judges and right. everyone that kind of influenced a lot of stuff. Right. But as you're saying, like, 
it's true. Like in person, they were pretty subtle about it. Micro, polite, micro it, was, it, was, it was called polite prejudice. Is right. what I, I wrote a paper on that in college. I promise you, right. I did. Yeah, yeah. Like you know what? You can tell just by the body language. And then you know what's interesting, and I got to bring this up right now, honestly. Um, what is being purported is like our white brothers and sisters who do not want to say that they are going to support Trump. Mm-hmm. They're not going to tell you that they're supporting Trump. Yep. Nope. Exactly. And, and that is very scary. It, it's called Bradley. It's called the Bradley. And uh, what is that I don't with? know if anybody remembers uh, the late Los Angeles mayor, uh, Bill Bradley. He was only a mayor for one term uh, from 1980 to 1984. He was the first black mayor of Los Angeles. And came time for his reelection in 1984. Um, a lot of people said they were going to support him. Turned out they were just saying that to get them out of their face. And he ended up losing that election. So he only did one term in Los Angeles. So they call that the Bradley. You know, a lot of people tell you they're not going to support him or they're going to support this individual. And they really they really are going to support this individual. So that's what we see with last four years in 2016, Donald Trump. Uh, a lot of people said they were not going to support Donald Trump. He was a racist. He's this. And what happened? He won overwhelmingly. And uh, 53% was white women. Suburban women. Were white and did suburban you see, women. and as we talk about yeah. Trump right now, yeah. with regards to the Republican National Convention, yeah. A lot of the people who uh, were a part of that for the last four days, right. uh, they were reaching out to the white suburban women. Mm-hmm. And so it's, you know what, I don't want to say this, but I'm going right. to say it. Right. It's like Kamala Harris, she's right. a sister, and you got the Divine Nine and all of the black sisters right. rocking with her. Mm-hmm. And then you got the white suburban women who Trump is trying to get to. But the problem with that is he's... You know, he done, he does what he does. You know, right. he's talking about touching people's private parts. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, he talks about retarded. He calls people retarded and, and, and emulates them, which right. is, you know, that is like presidents should not be doing that. But his but that's base acceptable to, is to, playing to some of them. To, and yeah, then so they're okay with that. The other part that I want to bring up about this, uh, about Trump and the Republican uh, National Convention that took place, and then, well, we might as well hit, go ahead and unwrap it when it comes to the police officers. Mm-hmm. Ladies and gentlemen, I would be remiss if I did not say this. The way that you live your life comfortably, you have to have people protect you. Mm-hmm. And since America has become America, mm-hmm. It has been the army, mm-hmm. the militia, because mm-hmm. the army was the army. The militia was like we support our country, but we don't right. believe. Like that's what a militia is. Like right. we, we love our country, but we don't believe in what you believe in. Right. And then the rest of them were, they were just like visual antis. Vigilantes. Yeah, visual, vigilantes. Vigil, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, what, you know, I, 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 <laughs> you know, I have a problem right. with pronouncing that don't word. Don't worry about it. But do you it's get good. it, though? Yeah. Like, do you yeah, get it? The and so it's, and everything, yeah. But the fraternal order of police. Mm-hmm. And we really could have a really good show when it comes to fraternal order of police because I, I am mm-hmm. I'm still dumbfounded by my family members who are police officers. Mm-hmm. I am dumbfounded by my, my family members who are state troopers, mm-hmm. who are FBI agents, who are turnkeys in the county jail right 
and they know what is going on and they don't they 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 do not open their mouths right mm. right and now we have the national director of the fraternal order of police right saying that he supports president trump yeah. if that in fact for our country is that we are to be protected by our military and then secondary to that mm-hmm. from a physical standpoint is law enforcement and law enforcement the KKK have taken off their robes and mm-hmm. have replaced them with business suits and police uniforms mm-hmm. and we have the guy who they put money right supporting Trump what does that say will it says that we need black police officers it says that he needs to be challenged when it comes to the next election of uh, who is going to represent the Fraternal Order Police nationwide. He needs to be challenged by somebody of color. You know, even though he might not win or whatever that situation, we don't know. But he needs to be challenged by a black men or, or, or a Latino. locally as well. Locally, locally like, as well. So let's talk about let's talk about let's talk about Illinois. And right. First of all, let's talk about Chicago. Yeah, because you know uh, what's his name. I can't pronounce his name. He's Italian, gentlemen. Yeah, yeah he's a fraternal him, police. They, they sent fifty-eight thousand. Begins with the C. Katzenara or whatever, whatever, whatever. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. But but yeah, he, you have to start challenging them, and we have to start uh, having more black police officers. I know many years ago they start raising the standards for police officers. You know, you couldn't, you, you had to be this height. You couldn't be a police officer. If you were under six feet, you couldn't be a police officer. I mean, it was always stuff like that. If you wore glasses, you couldn't be a police officer. <laughs> then toward the 90s, they they said, well, you need uh, you need 60 credit hours, so you need an associate's degree so, right, to be a police they, officer. Mm. You know, they keep raising the standards because blacks continue to catch up. Now it's African Americans out here. We do have degrees now. We are the most educated people in America, and I think it's the really time for are. us. The, the sisters, sisters, well, the brothers are too. We I'm, part. I'm, I'm not taking the away from sisters the sisters are mostly educated, the but the brothers will. are educated as well. Yes, they are, but I the got sisters my degrees. Black women are number one. <laughs> yeah, black, black women. Have, black uh, women are number one, but yes, they, are. they should not. We should not allow people to separate us. We are black together. Black woman, black man, we black together. I feel so. You represent us. We supposed to represent you. But what I'm saying is, we just basically need to start now. In Infiltrating the police department and being the police, we we can't be so mad at the police officers or be so mad at the police that we don't want to uh, be part of it and change it. Because you have to change the system from the inside. When you look at the police force today here in Chicago, predominantly or half of them are Latino, Latino, and, and that's Irish. another conversation because they know because they know <laughs> to take control of your community, you have to be part of that. Project. Can I say this and then you please continue? Yeah. Uh huh. I am so tired mm-hmm. now, and I, I'm, I'm I'm just being transparent. Yeah. Latinos, some of them, mm-hmm. trying to act white. Go ahead. Continue well, your conversation. No, 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 no. That's no. because a lot of uh, Latinx folks don't even identify as black when they um right. they're like from the African diaspora. They don't right. identify as that. They identify. But as they white. acting white now. Yeah, and you, I'm have, like, you have some Afro Latinos, Puerto Ricans, and. Well, uh, uh, Mexicans, they generally, people of Mexican descent generally identify but I'm, with But Spaniards I'm talking specifically about Western Chicago culture. police here, officers. Yes, here. They, but the, they the live in the neighborhood with them. The, listen, Here's I'm going the to say this. The Latino police officers, right. they act and treat black people the right. same way. And I'll tell you why. That white 
non-African Americans do, and I have a, a huge problem. And I do that. too. That's and the power they give them. They, they, exactly. And I'm sorry, I don't mean to cut you off. Go they ahead. lived in the neighborhoods with them. You have to understand, black people, we were segregated from them for a reason. First of all, they didn't want our black ass to live with them. So we said, okay, we're going to go live and have our own communities and have our own jobs. They allowed Latinos to live with them, okay? So they lived in the communities with the Polish, the Italian, and the Irish. And they, I don't care. I, I don't necessarily know what the ranking they was. I don't know how the ranking goes. Maybe they accepted being number two and number three. We were always just number one in our community. You know what I'm saying? You black, you black. But that's why they identify. Plus, they identify with them uh, religiously, theologically, because they're Catholic. Irish, Italian, Polish, uh, uh, Latino, Mexican. I they are it. Catholics. I love They're this Catholics. show. I absolutely So that's why they identify with them. Show. And they live in the neighborhood. I live next to Sandy. Sandy say, watch oh. out for them black guys. You know? Really? <laughs> Thank you. So I live with I love, them. Okay, I, I'm going to watch it. out I, for the black guy. Listen. They I know love, it. I love this show. Uh, we got to take a break. We're at the 50. Uh, we're, we're coming back in one second. Will, please continue the conversation when we return. All right. I'm Kendall. Getting you from your work week to your weekend. It's Kendall Moore Radio for the next generation. Welcome back. Four minutes after the hour, it's Kendall Moore Show. 591 Let's go to the phone lines. My man, Tommy, how are you, man? I certainly appreciate you. First of all, let me say hey to you, Kendall. Let me say hey to all you guys uh, in the studio. Hey, what's up, Tommy? Hey. Let me preface this by clearly saying that what would be known has clearly been shown. From the moment that we stepped foot uh, on Plymouth Rock, until this breath and this voice that you hear on this day. We have always known um, how white people feel about us, period. You ask why there is no change. There is no change because when you don't accept the absolute obvious, then you are committed to the insanity in which we find ourselves in, i.e., did you not hear Vice President Pence when he stood there and he said uh, to our heroes that there will be no no more of this, it will be law, law and order and looters mm. and this and that and yep. all the rest of it, right? Yep. Did you hear that? Yeah. Now, let me go one step further. Then your president of the United States of America came clearly on and said that all of the cities that was having all of this turmoil was Democratic cities. And all they had to do was sure make did. the call, and they would come in there, and they would clean it up within hours. Sure did you did. not hear oh, that? Oh, wow. Yep. 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 You're, You're right. right. You're right. Okay. That's right. I was Why don't you recognize and understand that from day one of Plymouth Rock to this day, that them so-called individuals that you call militia and, and, and patriots and all the rest of that have been turned loose 
on the United States of America and the black community. Mm -hmm. That's why all of these cities are going up in hell. That's why you can't catch nobody. That's why you sitting up getting this 17-year-old this walking around with an AK-47 across his shoulder mm -hmm. and not being arrested. That's why you stopping cars with guns. And, and, and for the record, the individual called in talking about what a bouncing Betty is. A bouncing Betty was a military mine that was used by the Germans because as their forces was depleted, the only way that they could deal with the United States platoons and that was coming in on them was to create a landmine that when you came across it, instead of it blowing up and killing one man, it came up waist high and took out and blew out chaparral that would take out a platoon. Got That's it. what a bouncing Betty is. Got it. So Thank you for the clarity. You taking this kind of stuff into a so-called protest unless you're trying to incite the other individuals who's got the already green light to shoot to kill by exploding this stuff, making them feel and think that somebody is shooting at you. Yep. Yep. See, this is why we're in this mess, man. Because we had the world behind us. Do you understand what I'm feel, telling you? I feel. I feel. When they did that mess to George Floyd, we had the world. Mm -hmm. And yeah. then they sit back and they gave us the same old okie doke. Oh, it was okay for you to go and burn and rob and loot. And then what did they turn around and do? They completely changed the whole narrative because all has ever did was ask that for these individuals who are running through the country and doing this indiscriminately that they would be dealt with according to the mantra of the United States of America with liberty and justice for all and would be prosecuted. We didn't ask for the defunding of the police department. Right. We didn't stand against the police department. We only asked that these policemen who are heavy-handed and killing people be removed from their office and be dealt with judiciously yep. the same way you deal with us. Yep. And what happened? They changed the complete narrative. So now your president of the United States of America has unleashed these people. Mm -hmm. Good night. Hey, tell me, I always appreciate you. You know. <clears throat> yeah, I agree with him totally. He's absolutely right. My, my, so, Will, so, so getting back to that, though, uh, police reform. Mm-hmm. What Trump did was emblazoned the police officers again. Right. And I said this earlier. Mm -hmm. He brought the national director and the cold words that are used right. throughout the Republican National Convention. Right. You know, anarchists. Right. Uh, we gonna, we're going to support the police department. Right. Joe Biden, uh, right. Kamala Harris, they've already stated they're not going to defund. And what I have said here on this radio show is it does not make sense because that is the first line of defense, or we will be in right. the okay corral. Right, I agree. We're not saying that, but the narrative that is being put out there, mm -hmm. it really is scary. Right. Because Trump, one, is using the police department right. to, <laughs> let me tell you what the police, I got to take a break. I'm at 8 o'clock. I'm sorry. But when we come back, it's the lit roundtable. We're going to get into it in there and, you know, just right. that in the third. Yep. Like, real talk. All right, Kendall Moore Show. He's the new kid on the block. He's got the weekends on lock. Kendall Moore, radio for the next generation. On the talk of Chicago, 1690 WVON. Kendall Moore, like Kendall. Time to have more time.
Sunday. Kendall Moore. Like Cap, we right back. It's in our way. My impact so crucial, so great. We all play a part. We all got something to say. Time to add more to our day. Kendall Moore. Night Cap, we right back. It's in our ways. Our impact so crucial, so great. We all play a part. We all got something to say. Same song, same one, different day. We always triumph in the world full of hate. Bygones be bygones, can't focus yesterday. Add more to today, add more to today. Same song, same one, different day. We always triumph in the world full of hate. Bygones be bygones, can't focus yesterday. Add more to today, add more to today. Time to add more to our day. Can the world have a fight back? It's in our way. Just joining us, welcome to the Kendall Moore Show. We stream live, www.von.com. Make sure that you are checking out the Facebook page as well. It's the Kendall Moore Show and the website, KendallMooreShow.com. Big shout to the AIDS Healthcare Foundation. Big shout to Black, the Black Leadership AIDS Crisis Coalition. Um, I, again, want to acknowledge our ancestors and those who have participated in trying to change this system here in the United States of America and abroad with regards to um, just equal rights, period, point blank. Another announcement, visitation services for Dr. Stephanie Borges, the wife of longtime WVON host Ernesto Borges, will take place Monday, August 31st at Cage Memorial Services, located at 7651 South Jeffrey between 4 p.m. and 7 p.m. Dr. Borges, she died last Sunday following a lengthy illness. Our prayers and our condolences are with attorney Ernesto Borges and his family. And I'll leave that right there. You know, it's always bad when we lose good people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Lit roundtable. Let's go ahead and let's get into it. Five nine one sixteen ninety is the number. Brian, I see you on the line. I'm wondering if that's Brian Erlacher because I asked you Brian. Probably. Erlacher. <laughs> I hope that's Brian Erlacher. Dev, is that Brian Erlacher? Okay, I really do hope so. Listen, if you guys are not familiar with what's going on, Brian Erlacher, but his like like seriously, mm-hmm. grossly. Yeah, some the, the comments he's talking that, about how uh, Peyton Manning played when his father died. 
And comparing and he compared it this to, to yeah, right. to the walkout of the black athletes as it related to absolutely uh, the gentleman getting shot. And the thing is, it's been going on too long, man. You know, at some point, something breaks. You know, and and that's what it came down to. They tired of this BS. But that's what, I can't say what I won't say because this ain't satellite. But they tired of it. You but, know? Will, but Will, my question to you, and my my question to the listeners of uh, tonight's program. Mm-hmm. How does he get? Who is he? Like he, right? Exactly. He, he ain't no. He ain't no none. He's he probably he did somebody. Not win a Super Bowl, but he's probably somebody who has an investment in in sports. The Bears in some way. disavowed his comment. Right, right. Mm-hmm. The McCaskies and their family and everybody right. else was like, Brian, you were out of pocket. And then he came out and he said something else. But who in the hell? And again, Brian Urlacher. I'm an right. ex-athlete. I I done did this. I done played ball. This is something that I want to share with the WVON listening audience. Racism really, in my opinion, was kind of stumped out as an athlete. My football uh, brothers, were, some of them were white, like some of the best friends that I ever had in my entire life. Mm-hmm. I promise you. Mm-hmm. And there was no black and white on the football field. Right. I bring that up, one. Sports have now – they've been canceled with regards to what's going on with COVID-19. Right. But now when people graduate and they move on with their lives right. and they go back into li- lily land, right. they turn into who they really are. And they have not been that person from the start. Mm-hmm. And I want to uh, – so dope, I want to ask you this question as well. Same way in corporate America, though. Right. You know, that's your girl. She gonna twerk with you. She gonna like let's go out for drinks and all of that. But when she goes home, right? Who right. is she? Right. Behind closed doors. Five nine one sixteen ninety. That's the number. How do you feel, Isaiah? Coming back to you, Will. You already here. I asked you this question earlier. You have allies that are out there on the front lines with you. How do you guys communicate, and how are you really feeling about one another? Um, we feel really good about one another because we're in college, so we kind of have that camaraderie of being college students, of working together on projects, on plays, on movies, on films, all types of different projects that we may have, and just like going to regular parties and, you know, regular just college stuff. But a lot of the things that the allies that I've worked with who are white, um, they've been willing to put their bodies on the line and the resources that they have. So when we've been protesting and when there's been a police presence, um, my white friends have decided to put their bodies as barriers and barricades between them and the police and our black folks and our, our Latinx uh, folks as well because they're like, they know that if things were to escalate and if the police were to brutalize us that they would get not as much as a black person would. They wouldn't necessarily have the higher risk of being arrested or if they were arrested, they'd be released almost immediately. Mm-hmm. So kind of like using, understanding. That's very interesting. Understanding their privilege that you have, recognizing it and being like, all right, I know that no matter what happens to me, I could leave here with a black eye. I could leave here with a, a, a charge on my record or whatever it is. But I know that whatever happens, I will not be disenfranchised for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. And I know that the way in which I'll be handled by the police or the court system or even just protest, other counter-protesters we know that, like, the value of black lives is a little bit um, more at this point than um, the way in which white people have been um, acting for years. So they're kind of like, we're going to put ourselves on the line to protect you so that we, sh- so we can show that your life matters as well. Hmm. 
Speaking of which, uh, Donald Trump and his posture last night. Yep. Will. Yep. <laughs> well, did you see him? Did yeah. you see him standing at the podium? Yeah. Cindy, I'm not sure if you saw it or not. Mm-hmm. But listen, if you guys are looking at me on uh, the Kendall Moore <laughs> Show live on W, uh, the Kendall Moore Show live on Facebook Live, uh-huh. did you see like how he was doing? Wait. <laughs> yeah. He was doing this and he was doing this. Yeah. 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 Huh. He, he looked very confident. Mm. And cocky. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And to your point, mm. which is why I'm bringing it up, the Republican National Convention and that whole thing and what happened with that, it was a shout out to the suburban white women. Exactly. And to the staunch militia exactly. with him and Pence exactly. to state. See, because he already knows he's going to get predominantly the white male vote. He's going to get a percentage. He already knows his percentage that he's going to get with the black male vote. White women put him over the top in 2016 by 53%, from 51 to 53%. So that's basically what he's doing now. He had, most of his speakers, they were white women, and they talked about, you know. His um, daughter. Yeah, um, see, and the appeal, and they were suburban moms. And he's saying, look, if you vote for me, Everything in your suburban community will stay exactly the same. That's what he changed. He did the housing bill thing. He did. A few weeks ago. Oh, my God. I'm going to keep you safe. You know, right. and we're going to make sure the police. About keeping you safe yeah, we're going to make sure the police are not defunded. And I'm not for defunding the police. No, I'm not uh, either. I, we, you know, you well, are, here's uh, yeah. the thing. I, I am for renegotiating those fraternal order police contracts that protect these habitual offenders. By the time you get to a guy like the guy that choked out George Floyd, yeah. set on his neck, that he done killed ten damn people. He has a jacket, and the fraternal order police protect him. I because, am, so you have to renegotiate that contract in the sense that, look, when you have a habitual offender like that, you cannot protect him. It has to be in the contract. The, you know, the police are the police. Will. That's it, right? That's there. where you have to do it. It's not really defunding the police and taking them out of the schools in these turbulent times is not a good thing. But here's the thing, and you can't do it from the local level because it's a right. federal mandate right. that has to come down. Yeah. Even though they act you know they react and they act locally. Right. It has to be a federal mandate. Right. It really does because it's it's, it's juris, jurisdiction by right. jurisdiction. I am definitely for the George Floyd uh, legislation that's right. right that, that's out there right now. Right. And what it entails is Isaiah. I know that you're fund you're, you're for def- defunding the police, but here's the thing. They are here to serve and protect. I right. I am here to reconstruct the police uh, right. department. I really am. For them, like any person who there's a violation right. and you have a number of marks on your record, right. immediately right. we need to sit you down and we need to reevaluate this. Exactly. Second of all, if you kill anyone, automatically we need to fire you. Right. And it let is, let right. go fund you. Let the militia go fund you, Page. Fund you, right. but taxpayers should not be paying for police officers who are killing black people, right, right. or other people of color unjustly. Because believe it or not, black people pay taxes too. We pay taxes, not but that, I don't the, pay taxes. Believe it or to not, no, to whoop my I, ass. Well, <laughs> I believe it. So they're. There really needs to be a complete restructure of the contract with the police. But let me tell you this. Here in the city of Chicago, in the state of Illinois, and I say this without malice, 
they are the strongest union in the state of Illinois. Mm -hmm. Do you know there are more black politicians who put money into the fraternal of police than mm -hmm. there are, than they put into them, themselves? Right. And yeah. Isaiah, did you know that? Yes. Yeah. Like the aldermen, yeah. your, your, your state representatives, your state uh, senators, they they send money to these guys. Yeah, yeah. That's because. And we're the telling them to change their damn laws, but we, we got black people who represent us who giving money to them. Right. Yeah, because the way it's been structured is like they kind of picked, paint the police as like the problem solvers of everything in the community. So you kind of call the police for anything that happens. You know, someone's having um a mental health crisis, you call the police. And the police aren't, the, and us, as you guys talk about restructuring it, the police aren't trained to deal with that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. They aren't trained to deal with a lot of different things. They're trained to, like, police in fear. They're trained to, like, have to think the worst that someone is going to attack them. They're trained to live in this kind of thing where they have power over people and that someone is going to hurt them, so they should have their guard up at all times, not to necessarily help anyone else. And as we're talking about history of it, like as slave catchers, yeah. that trickles down throughout the whole thing. Right. So you have to kind of reform and do that kind of thing. But as we talk about defunding it, it's like defunding the police in terms of, like, they have such a disproportionate allocation of city budgets a lot of the times i mean in chicago is over 40 percent of the budget goes to the police department mm -hmm. well if you're going to have all, all that all those billions of dollars go to the police department have that same kind of you know budget go towards other social services other educational reforms and stuff like that right. so they say defund them because that the, the uh, defund the police is encountered to the fact that people be like well we don't have any money to pay for uh more education more schools more all of this kind more health services free public transportation and they say we don't have money so like okay we'll take all the money you have from the police and right. take cut that in half and reallocate it to that if they can get another 1.2 billion dollars to give to uh public other public services then do that then keep the budget at a billion dollars but also keep those social services at a billion dollars as well it's the disproportionate way in which those budgets are allocated in which people respond well then defund the police because you're saying that you're gonna you can't you're not be able to find this money but we're saying well then take the money from the police and as opposed to like just raising the money to um bring it up to the standard in which the police are being paid as well. Isaiah, I feel you completely with that. And then here's the other part that you probably already know, but I'll say it anyway. The police are funded to protect uh white people. Yeah. To yeah. protect white people <laughs> and corporate capitalism. Yeah. I, I promise it you it protects that. all of that. Ain't no other way to chop it up. Uh, yeah. when you when you talk about <laughs> protecting white people and taking they taking money away from protecting white people, boy we in some trouble. I'm trying to make sure Lily White <laughs> don't Let's get go to soil. Brian. Brian, how are you? Welcome to the Kendall Moore show. Hello? Yep, Brian, Hello? go ahead. Hey. Sorry, I'm not Brian, whoever. Hey, no worries. Go ahead. Yeah. Actually, I had a bunch of ideas that I've lost, but I don't know. I I, I don't know. I'm 73 years old. I don't have an answer. I know one thing. We have to start trying to love each other and be courteous to one another. And I just noticed I went through the 60s. I was very active. I'm still active. I was just talking to a person today. We can't speak to one another. We're afraid of being shot. You know, we got a lot of stuff going on. And I, I frankly, I'm scared for my people today because I don't see which what's going on. I was just listening, not to your program, but the station the other day, uh, Terry, uh, and they, she had someone yeah, Perry on Small. And they, Perry they, Small is what yeah. they call her, y'all. That's my girl. Perry Small, uh, weekdays yeah. here at WBON oh, from 9 to 12. Yep, go ahead. I love her. 
Midday. We had a woman on talking about how uh, these immigrants come over here and they have to take tests and how they know civics and all their rights and they're able to come over here and work. And, I mean, here we are still killing people in our own neighborhood, and we got people coming from out of state killing us. I'm wondering, you know, we don't kill. In my day, we wouldn't think of killing another person in our community. We went, so I, I, it's just so much stuff. The music, everything is, you know, I, it just, I just listen to people's language. Mm-hmm. You know, in public, everyone's cursing. All this cursing, no respect for children, women on the body. You know, we got, they got us on a low level piece. The fact that they have to beg us and all this to vote now and senses. I mean, with all this stuff going on, we seem to, and I'm not saying everyone, but we still seem to be taking it so lightly. And I don't understand where that is at. I mean, why, when you see a man come from somewhere else and kill people and walk around, this isn't the first time and won't be the last time. And I, when is that going to get us together in mm-hmm. terms of killing each other? We can't react to killing each other because it happens so much. Yep. And, that's the, and that is the, the danger. See, when they're able to take your reaction from you, then you have no power. Now, if a Chinese man got killed who don't get killed, this place will go up in flames. Mm-hmm. But we can't do, I mean, you know, we have a difficult, because Floyd and everything, that was so blatant, but in our own community, we have, we can't get upset about killing each other. And that's, that's very dangerous. We can't check one another because everybody's afraid of getting killed. You know, we can't I got you. Brother Brian. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Uh, I appreciate that check in. And, and it was a lot that was uh, associated with that. Yeah. And, and that this is where we are. Sandy, I, I got to pull you in because you've been you, you, you're here. We, we, we need to hear from 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 you as well. What do we do? Like seven times shot in the back. The kids are in the back seat. You know, we're doing a march 57 years. Uh, we're talking about Emmett Till. You know, we're gonna we're gonna wake up on Sunday or Monday. How many black people will have been shot by other black people? Right. Like, how do we make sense out of all of it? And at the end of the day, get Donald Trump out of office, right? And so, my question is: Is that going to solve the problem? If we got him out of office, we know we want to get him out of office for a number of different reasons, from his policies to him being. Uh, a very, you know, a part of militia groups and, and, and hate groups. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm just, you know, I, I ain't got no problem with sharing that and saying that. Mm-hmm. We want to get him out of office because he doesn't need to be the person there. Yeah. Right. But even when we have a person like Joe Biden and uh, Kamala Harris in, and it doesn't change because we had, we had Obama right. for uh, eight years. Right. And, you know, we had Eric Holder, who was an African-American for an uh-huh. attorney general. And, and, you know, a lot of what was happening, but it was, again, when, when, when it was their terms, right. they did a lot of legislation right. that we didn't see overtly. Right. Trump just doing it out front, right? Right. right? right. And it's having an impact on us. Obama and his administration. Neoliberal administration. Uh, feel, feel me on this. Mm-hmm. They was doing some things, too. 
right. that has an impact on us. And we, I, will, I would be remiss if I did not mention them damn Clintons, which is why right. the white suburban women did not vote for Hillary Clinton. Right. So, again, Sandy, my question, we have to get him out of office because he's just blatant with it. So are we putting people in office who still are not going to help us progress? And I think that's the catch-22. You know, people, it, it almost feels like you're you're going with the lesser of two evils, but is are any of the options the right options? So, yes, we know Trump needs to be out, but then what? Like, then what? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> who, who has... Our interest, the interest of black people, disenfranchised people, who has our best interest at heart? What are our interests? What are we asking for? What are we demanding? What are we requiring? So, yes, we can get him out, but then what? So I think it comes to it's the follow up. So, yes, you can put Biden in or whomever, but what are they going to do? What are we holding them to? What what are they accountable for? Like who who have we held accountable? Right. So whether it's Trump, I mean, whoever is in that office, in that seat, they have to be held accountable to our interests. And yeah, whoever we place in there, can, can, they, can they do that job? Are they do they care about our interests? Right, right. Because I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I agree no, with you 100%. Yeah. But like I said, when you elect somebody, you know, I know they have to be, they, they say they have to be everybody's president, and you do. But the people who are the most affected, who are the most downtrodden, you should be able to do something for them. And that was the problem with President Obama that people had a problem with. And and we're hoping that Kamala will, even though she's a vice president, that will be one of the things that she picks up. That will be a mantle that she picks up and or that she, a baton she picks up and runs with. You know, because black people, there's nobody more disenfranchised right now than black people. Black people in particular here in America, we're being shot down, we're being, we're being killed, we're being abused at the job, you know what I'm saying, discriminated against. And we don't have jobs. Our, exactly. our unemployment rate Ain't is nobody, the roof. You cannot come to me. I don't care what country you come from. You can't sit here and tell me that you are being affected more here than black people here in America have been and are being affected, you know, because what you're seeing right now with all the riots and stuff, this is stuff that was created that was manifested 30 years ago in the making. And it's it's reached ahead now. Now people are trying to figure out what to do. You can only beat somebody's ass for so long. Okay? Until they, they rise up. <laughs> you can only do it for so long. Well, so uh, 500 plus years, that's a long time. All right, we, yeah. we return. It's, it's the 30. Time. When we come back uh, the NBA, let's talk about LeBron. I heard some stuff about LeBron and what's going on with the NBA. It's Kendall Moore Show. Kendall Moore will be right back on the Talk of Chicago, 1690 WVON. Hey, everybody, this is Matt McGill from WVON, the Talk of Chicago. We are always looking for ways to serve you better. For the next 10 days, we will be conducting an online audience survey, and we need your help. All you have to do is log on to WVON.com and click the audience survey banner. It only takes a few minutes to answer the questions from programming you here to sponsorship opportunities and community investment. This information will help WVON thrive. 
This is an independent survey commissioned by Midway Broadcasting Corporation, the parent company of WVON, and conducted by CR Market Surveys, one of the largest multicultural market research firms in Chicago specializing in Asian, Hispanic, and African-American research. This information is being collected for the sole purpose of this station and will not be used for or by any other purpose. Log on to WVON.com and take the survey through September 4th. You will only be allowed to take the survey once, and you must be at least 18 years old to participate. Thank you for helping us maintain your radio station. We are WVON. WVON, where being black and proud is not just a moment. It's a Getting you from your work week to your weekend. It's Kendall Moore Radio for the Next Generation. That's why they killed Prince. That's why they locked up Bill Cosby. Oprah next. They're going to get it. They tried to uh, get Snoop to get Gail. You know what I mean? Like, it's just so, it's, it's crazy. Man. Yeah. On the real. Yeah. It, uh, and, and, and you know what I'm saying? Like, on the real. They don't. And the, the problem with me, Will, did you hear that uh, Rob Blagojevich has a, a, a job now? Uh, I know he has spoken out, uh, uh, out in Arizona. He's doing really? like some consulting or something like that. Yeah. For who? For the campaign? For the Trump campaign? No, nah, he's doing some uh, consulting. You know, he had a, whenever, a fundraiser whenever, whenever, last week when he spoke at GOP fundraiser. <laughs> whenever anybody yeah. has a, 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 a consulting job, you, yeah. consulting means we're paying you well for whatever. Yeah, I know you're, I, and you're a consultant, Will. I, I guess so. I guess. <laughs> Pay you for I give you a little advice. <laughs> that advice is invaluable. Oh, it comes oh, at a price. It comes, it comes at a price. Stop I can it. tell you a few things. I can tell you a few things. <laughs> All right, come on. So let's uh, let's talk about LeBron James. So uh, earlier today, uh, I got a tweet from my fraternity brother Stephen A. Smith. He was like, "Kendall, make sure you watch this show." I'm like. First of all, <laughs> second of all, like Steve, now he's like, no, hey, make sure you uh, d- uh, check out uh, First Take. Uh, it, it airs on ESPN first thing in the morning, and uh, he w- he was saying, listen, I, I'm, I'm about to talk about uh, Brian. 
And I was like, wow, okay. So let me tune in to what's going on with this. Uh So many people who may not follow what's going on as far as people uh, protesting against the uh, things that are happening with us as black people, Dale, do me... All right, all right. What's, what's happening with black people here in America, uh, many of the sports teams have uh, gone on strike, including but not limited to the NBA. Mm-hmm. NBA went on strike, what, wins Tuesday night? Tuesday night. Right. Tuesday night. And um, the Milwaukee Bucks, big shout to uh, right. Big Boy. What is his name? Uh Ginobili, what's, what's his name? Giannis. Giannis. I uh, can't pronounce his last Giannis name. Giannis Antetokounmpo. Antetokounmpo. You're trying to show out. Okay. You're trying, you're trying to show out. So from that, the NBA went on strike. Right. So let right. me speed up because we, we're running out of time right now. But uh, LeBron, so anyway, so today the NBA went on strike. LeBron was a part of mm-hmm. a – what is it called? The protest. Uh, the part no, of the protest. Like an after meeting. Uh, no, he did the Zoom. They did Zoom. Michael okay. Jordan was on there. Many oh, wow. of the uh, yeah. owners of the NBA. Okay. They said that he's been a really big voice of reason, like a liaison between players and ownership. Michael Jordan? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Which is interesting given his uh, lack of a track record with these kind of issues. Right. But he's been stepping up recently. Well, he, Y'all going to stop hating on Michael. Well, he got go time now. He got time now. I, I mean, open up. he's I mean, more aware now. He's yeah. never made a really a concrete stance before, right? But um, the last couple of months he's been he's he, been doing. He wasn't it. ready then. He, he ready he's now. He's been doing it. He ready now. So here's the thing though with LeBron. So people uh, got off of like just imagine being on a Zoom call mm-hmm. with your colleagues, being on a Zoom call with owners, and you know LeBron wants to be an owner of an NBA team, right? Um, but in players, and even prior to them going on the Zoom call, mm-hmm. um, he had a meeting with all of the players as well. Mm-hmm. And the young boys, the young players, the way that he was talking to them, they were not feeling LeBron. Mm-hmm. They were not the young feeling NBA players. The young NBA players. Yeah. And so LeBron stormed out mm-hmm. like, I got mine. Right. And the. What I'm reporting is reliable sources. I'm not just, mm-hmm. you know, saying that he say, she say. The reason that I bring it up is because it's very important. Young people mm-hmm. not respecting the people right above them. But the young boys was like, we ain't trying to hit you because LeBron was on his throne. Right. But he stormed out saying, I got mine. So whatever y'all want to do, you know, et cetera, et cetera. All right. And he has... Uh, some kind of justification with that kind of stuff. I mean, even just recently, he's um, partnered with, like, uh, the L.A. Dodgers to, like, create that kind of open kind of voting, mass voting polling station in L.A. for people, you know, dealing with COVID, you know, kind of like the way in which a lot of voting centers closes. He kind of opened that up to them, the stadium and the arenas and stuff like that. So he kind of – and he's been one of the greatest basketball players for the better part of almost two decades now. Mm-hmm. So it's like – He's trying to tell people, like, we need to protest this because of X, Y, and Z. And folks are like, well, you know, that kind of pushback. And, I mean, the privilege kind of shows when he has to deal with that kind of pushback. Because he used to be like, I'm LeBron. I could say this, and things right. can, can really change a little bit. Is it wrong for him to, like, but it's not, be that way? But it's not really wrong because out of all the people that do stuff, he does a lot of groundwork. 
It could, it yeah. could just be because he's so big that he gets the media coverage. Right. But he is someone who's always been a proponent of, like, social change, social justice, and doing what he can. And he always points out that, like, he didn't go to college. Right. So he's saying, like, I've done the work to learn and continuously try to improve our communities. Even if you look at his um, I Promise School up in Ohio, it's like he's been doing stuff like that to kind of give back to the community and educate people, paying for their tuition for their first two years when they go to community college right. and things like that. So. He's been doing the work for a very long time, so he kind of wants people to kind of be more receptive to what he has right. to say. And I think he knows, he understands the value in which boycotting the NBA in kind of an economic way will help. Right. I think he was trying to point out the way in which just sitting out for a couple of days was very performative mm-hmm. because they called it a boycott immediately. And a boycott isn't something that we just set out. Boycotting is when you kind of disrupt the financial mm-hmm. institutions that kind of play a part in that. That's when he hurts the owner's bottom line and their That's dollars. Right. That's like if right. you look at the, um, you know, way back, you know, the Montgomery bus Plus boycott, boycott yeah. they boycotted that because they realized that the power of the black dollar was going to be so huge in um, deterring that public transportation sector that they would have no choice but to kind of give it to their demands because they could not survive without that money. And I think that's the kind of stance LeBron was trying to make. Like, hey, if we sit out, you know, whatever right. with the NBA championship, right. all that kind of stuff, like his legacy is on the line between anyone else. Every year they come out, will LeBron win a championship? He's 3-6 and six in the finals. He'll never catch the, the ghost of Michael Jordan, all that stuff. So he has a lot to lose personally and legacy-wise, but he's like, let's try and make a bigger stance. And Isaiah, else, so should the younger yeah. guys listen to, have listened to him? I think they should like fully boycott the NBA in terms of playing. For the rest of the season? I think they should make demands and have these owners put their money where their mouth is. They putting Black Lives Matter on the NBA court is really just you know that's the bare, the WNBA is doing the, the same thing. That's the bare minimum. Uh, what's the young tennis star um, who uh, boycotted? She was like two uh, two uh, uh, games away from being Coco. I forgot her name. I forget. I, I, I know forget her talking, name, but, but but yeah, she she made news for beating Serena a couple years ago. Yeah, she did. Oh yeah, yeah. What what's her name? Uh, Naomi. Osaka. Naomi. Osaka. Naomi. Osaka. Naomi. She been, was like right. you know what? I'm gonna stop. If me stopping means that I'm going to bring more attention to us as black people dying, then I'm going to do it. You got a dude from the Chicago Cubs, um, uh, Hayward. Jason Hayward, thank you very much. Uh, I don't have it in front of me, so thank you. I, I appreciate the support. Right. And then, you you know, you even have the National Hockey League. Right. The reason that I'm bringing this up is because it's such the prevalence of social injustice and black people being killed. Mm-hmm. It's here and it's in front of our faces, and I don't right. know if we are like people in their personal professions. Should we be doing, and should they be doing more? Because those professional athletes, even though they have money, everybody who is an athlete, a star athlete, does not make as much money as they can. And I right. get it because right. Jared Kushner came out. They asked him the same question. He was like, well, there are some people, you know, the NBA people, they're rich, so they can take a couple of days off. Like, mm, mm, yeah, right. no, we're, let's miss that. That's not the conversation. The conversation is we getting beat over our heads and our people are being killed day in and day out. And we just want to stop life in America. Right. In order for there to be, Right. Some type of conversation to say what the police are doing. Right. Nobody else is doing this. The visual antis and the police officers right. are doing this. And other people participate because they are empowered. Right, right. The, 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 the pink toes and the Bettys, they are empowered right. because their husbands and their cousins 
and their uncles and their dads are police officers. Right. Do you get it? And judges and lawyers. Do you have we even taken the time to think about how many are in the state's attorney office who have to who have to represent African Americans? Yeah. Yep. And have nothing to do and, with our community. Don't know the experience or anything. Listen, the first thing, yeah. when you are out of law school, and the, first of all, before you even get out of law school, it's called an L4. An L4 is law 4, meaning you're going to sit for the bar to, to get your uh, uh, law license. Yeah. Do you know how many, the percentage of them who are white, and they do that, and those are public defenders yep. in the state's attorney's office. And right. they do that as long and as they they can care less. So they can go to a private firm and, and make more money. And they do right. not. I'm, I'm trying to tell you. Do y'all get with the, the picture yeah. that I am yeah. painting? Yeah. yeah. And yeah. so for Brian Erlacher, and I'm going back to him, and Lou Holtz yeah. to support. Lou Holtz supported Trump outright. And I lost all respect for Lou Holtz after that. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. You can vote for who you want to vote for. But what comes out of your mouth confirms to me that you feel a certain type of way mm-hmm. about black people. Yeah. And Lou Holtz, the Hall of Fame coach for Notre Dame. Right. He confirmed that for me. And Brian Erlacher, I promise you, everybody who plays golf with him who is black. If they don't open their mouth and say something to him, because he didn't open his mouth once, he opened his mouth up twice. And compared Brett Favre losing his dad and went out and did all of these great things, Brett Favre didn't do that shit by himself. Brett Favre had a damn line. He had the the, the receivers who had to catch the goddamn ball. Stop, Brian Urlacher. And you ain't won no damn uh, uh, Super Bowl here in the city (laughs) of Chicago. But you opening your Far damn mouth, it. and you got a damn black, uh, and you got a black uh, baby mama. Yeah, and yeah. you, 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 and you, you're saying, and did, did, if you heard what he said, and what he said was, right. well, he should not have had a knife. Just some dude. Well, see, he think, some he, dude. He think like, it won't happen to his son. Stop. But he, they gotta understand, and he should understand this. They don't know you uh, if whose son you are, right. whose son he is. They pull over Brian Erlacher's son. They might as well be looking at my son. You know, that's how they think sometimes. That's how some people think. So, you know, he got to be re- really careful with that. And probably, you know. No, he I, don't, Will. They won't, probably won't be buying his jerseys no more. But I'm glad that up. the Bears disavowed his statement. Yeah. I really am. He's going to mess around and ain't going to buy his jerseys, and he can forget about it. Let me take some calls before I get fired. Rebecca, how are you? Hi, guys. Hey. Listen, I think that we need to force Mr. Trump into his LBJ moment, in which he starts to make tweets to say, send these cops to jail, because if we want any of this stuff to stop, mm-hmm. the reason why we are protesting we are looting and taking you white folks' money, guess what? Because y'all white folks won't put your other white folks that are criminals that wear badges instead of being on their side, like you were trying to be on their side. What happened? They took a peaceful right. knee. He took a peaceful knee because a soldier told him to take a peaceful knee. Right. And then you tried to tell us it was about the flag and it was about the anthem. No, it was about police officers that are criminals that are committing crimes and not being held accountable like the rest of us citizens. Mm-hmm. That is what it's about. It's so simple. Life is simple. We make it hard. <laughs> put those cops, those four cops that put their knee 
on George Floyd's neck. I need them to get some 84 years like that 24-year-old <laughs> that accidentally, I accidentally feel. shot put the uh, uh, idea penalty. He, that mm. was an accident because, remember, he was trying to shoot yeah. uh, a rival gang member, so that was an accident. But what those men did for eight minutes was they deliberately – they maliciously killed George Floyd. They need 85 years if he got 84. Uh, and yeah. we need Mr. Mr. Orange in office. We need Agent Russian Putin best friend to say we want them to go to jail so this stuff can stop. Because he did say he done, he's the only president that's done so much for the black folks. <laughs> well, this is what you can do for the black folks. When they did a, when they did a, when they did, a, thank you, Rebecca. When they did a fact check on uh, Trump and the Republican National, it, 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 it was, it, it was appalling. It the was, fact check that they did on what people, what, what came out of their mouths during the Republican uh, National Convention, it, it was, oh my God. It's it all was, lies and misleading information. Just to get headlines so they can click those headlines, get ad revenue for it, and kind of just generate that circle and just live off that hate, fear, and propaganda that's the base of the Trump uh, party. All right, let's go to Randy. You know what? Let's go to Ronald. Ronald, how are you? Oh, I'm doing fine. Let me pull your coat to something that you were looking at last night that you might not recognize or what you was looking at. I say this not to disparage you. All right. Guys are very young. I'm 74 years old. And all of those white people that was out there in that audience and the militia, uh, because they are Hitler-like and they Mussolini. Trump, uh, uh, channels Mussolini in his movements. Hmm. The way he moves back and forth. Go back and look at news clips. It's totally Mussolini. He did to put the cherry on the cake last night to let his people that know and white people know that's older than you guys. He ended the whole show with this Italian guy singing in Italian Mm. like Mussolini. Mm. That you talk about a dog whistle, that was a scream. Boom, Ronald, thank you, Ronald. Thank you. That's the word I was looking for, the dog whistle. Yes, yes, yes. You guys are too young to know what you was looking at. Got it. Because you don't remember World War II. Got it. You don't know nothing about it. Got it. But all of those white people, when he slides from side to side, you say the way he moves, that's Mussolini. Mm. Just go look at the mm. film. You said he was moving, yeah. He yeah. was moving real. I was like, yeah, yeah. everybody else was standing straight, but he was moving from side to side. Yeah. I'm like, what yeah. is he yeah. doing? Mussolini, go look at the Mussolini tape. Mm. Yeah. And then he ended it just like Mussolini did all of his speeches with a guy singing in Italian opera, and mm. that's what he did in every Nazi, every <laughs> race, every, <laughs> every fascist. Oh, yeah. oh my you God. You know it because you grew up in the inner city, and you wasn't yeah. in the I got history, it. and you didn't want to watch. Ronald, I, I thank you. Did. Ronald, thank you. That's thank you for it sharing. very odd to me. When All right, folks, that we got to uh-huh. take a break. When we come back, Jay, Randy, I'm taking y'all before we get off of there. It's Kendall Moore Show. Yeah. Kendall Moore will be right back on the Talk of Chicago, 1690 WVON.
All you hear is Donald Trump and all of them talking about fear. We're the ones getting killed. We're the ones getting shot. Uh, we're the ones that we're denied to live in certain communities. Um, we've been hung. We've been shot. And all you do is keep hearing about fear. It's, it's amazing why we keep loving this country and this country does not love us back. And it's just, it's really so sad. Uh, I didn't want to talk about it before the game because it's so hard. Like, just keep watching it. That video, if, if you watch that video, you don't need to be black to be outraged. You don't, you need to be American and outraged. And how dare the Republicans talk about fear? We're the ones that need to be scared. We're the ones having to talk every to every black child. What white father has to give his son a talk about being careful if you get pulled over? It's it's just ridiculous, and it just keeps getting it keeps going. Uh, there's no charges. Breonna Taylor, no charges, nothing. All we're asking is you live up to the Constitution. That's all we're asking for everybody, for everyone. Hmm. All right, welcome back, folks. That was Doc Rivers, head coach of the Los Angeles Clippers. Certainly appreciated his words. All right, we got one, and we got a time for uh, one more caller. Uh, let's go to Jay. Jay, uh, you got thirty seconds. Go ahead. Hello. Yeah, Jay, go ahead. Got a question. Yep. The people that got killed, who were they? Have they released their names yet? Uh, you, you're talking about in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Yes. One of their name first names was Joseph. I forgot his last name. It was a white guy. What about the other guy? So, yeah, it, was a, it was a white guy, and then what was the other person? I don't remember the other last two names. They haven't released those names yet. So it, it was two you who got what? killed. It was two who got killed. One was white who got killed. Right. Uh, and uh-huh. then uh, two people got killed. Uh, the, uh, the third person was shot. He's not He's not dead. Yeah, he's in critical condition. Well, from what I've heard, that was a false flag attack. That was it never what? Happened. False flag attack. That never happened. It never happened. On who? Stayed, the, on, on the shooter? Yeah, no, 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 no. On the people that said got shot, they staged that. Why do you think they never let off a shot at that guy? That's what the people from Kenosha is actually saying. That was a false flag attack. It never happened. The boy never shot nobody. All right, got it. No, yep. let me let you go. Didn't make sense to me. Uh, Randy, how you doing? You got thirty seconds. Not at all. Yes. Good evening. How are you? I'm well. Good. Good. I was listening to the discussion, everything. I agree with your comments and others, you know. Who there in the studio uh, about um, Brian Urlacher? I agree with you on many points it's raised, and I think that what we're doing is white supremacy. As a matter of fact, this book called uh, The Osiris Papers by uh, Raymond Winbush and Denise Wright, where it talks about how this is about power that black people being hunted, that the black men and women are being criminalized, dehumanized, and criminalized, and it's part of what Ian Lopez in his book called 
our dog whistle politics, uh, mm. Professor Ian Lopez. So I think it's important that people understand what's going on. You, what we're dealing with is, is what uh, Dr. Uh, Dr. Dan uh, Carter talks about in his book, The Politics of Rage, where he talks about how these people are enraged, how white men are upset about how they feel that the, the scales are being tipped in, the, uh, in, in another direction yep. and stuff like that. And so what they want to do, by, they use weapons to maintain control, guns and weapons to maintain control over, over the side, because it's about white privilege, about institutionalized white privilege. So I want you to check out this book called The Dying of Whiteness by Jonathan Mertzel. Dying of Whiteness. And that's what we're dealing with right now. It's about white folks using terror and using, uh, and, and what we're dealing with is also states' rights. We're dealing with also states' rights. These people are trying to maintain control by imposing states' rights on, uh, on, on our community and stuff like that. And that's what it's about. It's about white men trying to maintain control of this society. Hey, right. thank so you people, very much. And I appreciate it. Give it a good work. I want right, to add hey, on hey, to um, the caller we had before, this guy, um, the foolishness he was talking about. But um, the two men that were killed were Joseph Rosenbaum. Um, and Anthony Huber, and the third man injured was Gage Grossenkrutz. So like, how those, do you say that never happened? Those are the three names, the did. two people who were killed and we, one we, who we, were... We, we get idiots who call. So, and I'm, I'm glad th- that we have... I wanted to be able to share those names out for people that, you know... Thank you very much. Thank you very much. I'm sure actually. their families are very aware that... Yeah, I didn't want to have that kind of disrespect yeah. on their names. And absolutely was, yeah. uh, was a disrespect. Sandy, I was trying to get to you, uh, but I, was, I certainly appreciate you being here, sis. Uh, let me go to you. We only got a couple minutes. Uh, what you doing this weekend? Tell people where they can find you and all of that. Man, stuff. oh, man. So uh, Sunday, Sunday at Boxville, 51st at the Green Line, there is a backpack giveaway. Um, so, yes, if you have little ones, you know people with little ones, we are giving away backpacks and groceries 12 p.m. until 3 p.m. I need to Boxville. bring some T-shirts over there for you. Come on through. I'm going to make sure I do. Yeah. My wife, she's going to love it. Nicole, you're yes. going to love that. I'm going to get the T-shirts out of the house. Get the T-shirts out the house. All right, we'll do Bring One more on. time. One, one more yes. time, Sandy. So Sunday, backpack giveaway, Boxville, 51st Street, and the Green Line, 12 p.m. until 3 p.m. All right. What's that with? I will be doing some uh, work tomorrow with uh, one of the aldermen. Uh, um, in the 27th Ward. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, with a uh, giveaway, school supplies, and things as such. So I will be doing that. All right. What can people find you? Um, they can find me at William R. Riley on Facebook. I'm not hard to find. And uh, at W R I L E Y 134 on Instagram. W Riley 134 on Instagram. All right. I want to thank the both of you. These, this makes up the lit crew. I promise you guys that. Can't do it without them. Isaiah the I, thank you for being here. Thanks uh, for having me. How can yeah. people uh, keep in contact with you? You know, when I look at your social media, I, you make me feel old. But go ahead. <laughs> how can people find you? I mean, you can follow me on uh, Twitter and Instagram at Zay the Prophet underscore Z A Y T H E P H R P H E T underscore Zay the Prophet. Do it one more time, slowly. Z A Y T H E P R O H E T underscore all right appreciate the entire crew my girl naya fire also big shout out to my girl netta beretta i hope everything got taken care of delvin always appreciate you sir till next time and as always church tabernacle
Generation Radio with Kendall Moore, WVON AM 1690. Let's talk about it. Come on. New Generation. Kendall Moore Talk Radio, WVON AM 1690. Streaming live from the web, WVON.com. Let's talk about it. 